Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. So there's a mystery to prayer, isn't there? It's a little mysterious sometimes, and it can be hard work. And sometimes the answers from God, they don't come right away. They don't come in the timing that we think they're going to come in, and they don't. They, sometimes they come in bits and pieces. Sometimes it feels like they don't come at all, or it comes in ways that we don't expect them to come. And if you've been in prayer for any length of time, you know. And as a result of that, sometimes people can get discouraged, and they can get disengaged a little bit, and they can slowly abandon the rhythm of prayer that is so important. Marie talked about that last week, just getting in that secret place as a habit and a rhythm. It's just vital. It's vital to your being. It's like the air you breathe. It's like not putting gas in your car, you guys. We can't eat spiritual Doritos, (laughs) And expect to be nourished. Like, we have to get into the place where the good stuff is. Right? (laughs) So I think that sometimes when people lose connection with prayer, they lose connection to God in prayer, it's because it's just that prayer has just been reduced to petitions. Where we go before the Lord and we ask him for things. And we do that, don't we? And he wants us to do that. That's a good thing. But it's not all that prayer is. And he, does, he tells us that parable, right, of the persistent widow. I kind of love that because I'm kind of that person a lot of times. Where that, that you know that one in Luke, where did I wrote it down? Luke 18, verse 1 through 8, where this, this woman is just petitioning this judge and she's not letting up. And he's like, he doesn't care about what she's saying much and she's not letting it up. And eventually her persistence got her, got him to rule in her favor. But again, prayer is so much more than petitions. Justin laid the foundation of us being priests to God and we minister to him. We minister to him in the place of prayer. We minister to him. And Marie taught us how to minister to him in the secret place and develop our prayers out of that place of intimacy. But this teaching is about adoration prayer. And you've probably never even heard of that before. You've probably experienced it, but I don't know if you've ever heard of it. My focus is to help us understand how we do that in a group setting. So because we're doing a thing on prayer, I just want to real quick kind of define prayer. If you've never really thought about that, and also um, some of you in the room are teachers, and I know that you probably know about this amazing thing, but have you guys ever heard of the Webster's 1828 Dictionary? Y'all, it is crammed full of scripture. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so this is the definition of prayer in that dictionary. The first two words, in worship. (laughs) A solemn address to the supreme being consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, supplication for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for blessing on others, and thanksgiving 
or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and his benefits. A prayer, however, may consist of a single petition, or it may be extemporaneous. That's a big word. Mama Lisa's big word of the day. You know what that means? It means that prayer is spontaneously spoken or sung. All my prayer room people are like, come on now, come on, right? We love the worship people. We love to sing our prayers. It's beautiful. He loves that too. So it can also be written or printed. But that's the definition of prayer. And this is the definition in the same dictionary of adoration. Adoration prayer is what we're talking about. The act of paying homage, which is reverential worship to a divine being. The worship paid to God or the act of addressing God. Adoration consists in external homage accompanied with the highest reverence. And it's used for the act of praying. Adoration prayer, it's right there in the dictionary. Or preferring thanks or request to the supreme being. Adoration is generally, and this is just my sentence, it's not theirs, but adoration is generally considered the most noble form of prayer. But it is right and it is powerful when we do this together corporately. It's closely tied to worship, isn't it? Right? You heard the words in worship, the first thing that it says in that definition of prayer. And in our Heart of the Father vision packet, it says this. I love this. I have a dream that our worship will continue to grow deeper and more focused on the person of Jesus Christ, deeply exalting him, that we would be less concerned about being personally blessed and increasingly more passionate about giving him the honor that is due his name that our corporate times of worship would be less about our own times of personal devotions and more about an expression of one united bride's heart pouring out undistracted love and adoration to our God. During corporate worship, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Have any of you guys ever been so just overwhelmed with the knowledge of God in worship that you spontaneously burst into prayer? Anybody other than me? Yeah. It, it, it happens to me a lot right in the middle of the worship. And, and to, you know, to give credit where credit's due, Allison and the teams have so cultivated an atmosphere where this happens because we are led into a place of adoration so quickly and so completely that if we yield to it, he begins to dump his heart into our hearts. And this is what happens, I think, is out of that place, we begin to spontaneously pray what's in his heart. And this happens to me right in the middle of worship all the time. There's times when the spirit of the Lord comes on me so heavy that the groans of intercession can't be held back. I can't help it. I apologize to those of you that stand around me and worship if I've distracted you at times because of that, but it's really him. And sometimes the prayer that erupts out of me in those moments is an adoration that's so intense, I, I, there are no words. I don't even know how to express it sometimes. And most times, like right now, <laughs> I'm just moved to tears. 
the beauty of who he is. So if you see me at the altar and I'm like bawling my head off, it's most of the time not because I'm sad. It's not that there's some personal thing going on in my life. Most of the time it's just because I'm completely caught up in worship or in adoration prayer. And doesn't that happen to you too? Boy, that splash zone is a real thing, you guys. It's a thing. Y'all should come on down there if you haven't done that. <laughs> uh, so I, I really, I love it when we begin to spontaneously, corporately erupt in worshipful prayer about who he is and how thankful that we are toward him. And I love it that we, all of us, are encouraged to step out and then join with our elders in these prayers of adoration that they pray in our services and in our home groups. It's powerful when we do this together. And we're not discouraged from that. How many of you guys have been just, just moved by the sincerity and the passion of Diane Nichols' prayers? When she gets up in the services and she prays, or the authority of Jonathan's prayers... You feel the, the might of God come in when he begins to pray. The sweetness in Allison's prayers when she prays before worship, it's precious. The purity of Janet Penny's prayers. And then if any of you, oh, Mick, the intensity <laughs> of Mick's prayers. And if any of you have ever been in a service with Chris, Chris big Chris, Chris Sean or Chris Pierce, if you've been in a home group and you've heard the vulnerability of his prayers, Oh my gosh, I don't know about you guys, but that just moves me. This is corporate. When we're doing this together, God is stirring something in us, and it's what we're reaching for, isn't it? We can pray prayers of agreement when we do that corporately. So adoration prayers address God with love and awe and worship, with admiration and with devotion. We repeat back to God his attributes and acknowledges worthiness, and we reverence him for who he is and what he has done. And when we do this together, think about what that does to our Father's heart. And then remember, too, that it shakes the powers of darkness. It shakes the powers of darkness. Now, you've got in your packet there, you've got Psalm 29, verses 1 through 4 and 10 through 11. This is the Passion Translation Bible. And I, we're going to do this real quick. We're just going to stand up, all of us, and we're going to read this in unity, and we're going to please our Father, and we're going to shake the powers of darkness with this prayer declaration that is in this scripture. Ready? Proclaim his majesty, all you mighty champions, you sons of almighty God, giving all the glory and strength back to him. Be in awe before his majesty. Be in awe before such power and might. Come worship wonderful Yahweh, arrayed in all his splendor, bowing in worship as he appears in the beauty of holiness. Give him the honor due his name. Worship him wearing the glory garments of your holy priestly calling. 
The voice of the Lord echoes through the skies and seas. The glory God reigns as he thunders in the clouds. So powerful is his voice, so brilliant and bright. How majestic as he thunders over the great waters. Yes, yes, that's corporate adoration. You can be seated. That's a demonstration of one form of corporate adoration prayer. And another example, um, let's see, who came to the abortion clinic on Saturday? Who was there? Maggie was there. Anybody else that was in there? Yeah, Cindy was there. Liz was there. We did this there in front of the abortion clinic. We met on the sidewalk outside the fence, and we had some declarations, and we had some scriptures, and we just read them aloud. We didn't scream them. We didn't make a big scene. We weren't spitting on anybody and making a big thing out of it. We just stood there and we adored God with the scriptures and with these declarations. Come on, y'all. It's powerful when that happens. It was, it was an example of corporate adoration. So I want to say, too, because I think some of the others may speak about this, and I'm not sure, but throughout these teachings, you may hear us talk about beholding God. And because, you know, there's a, there's a principle in scripture, and it's that you become what you behold. It's all throughout scripture. There's no like specific scripture that says that, but it's in there. So when we become like Jesus, it shakes the power structures that the enemy has set up, that the kingdom of darkness has set up on the earth. And it pulls down the strongholds that have been built here on earth when we become more like Jesus. And Jesus is advancing his kingdom, amen? He's doing it. In the midst of all the darkness that we see around us, he is doing that work. And we're partnering with him in that. It's, it's an amazing thing. Prayer is a critical part of that process. And that's why we want to engage in that. Sam, do you, have you guys ever read Samuel Whitfield? Oh, did you have a question, Mallory? Okay. Yes. Great. He's amazing. These, these books are just, I, it blows me away. But there's a book called Discipleship Begins with Beholding. It's a little red book, and it says, Behold Jesus and become like him. Beholding him affects every area of your life. We should teach people to behold Jesus. I mean, discipling somebody, isn't that what the most important like, thing is to teach them to behold Jesus? We should sing so that people behold Jesus. <laughs> We should pray from a place of beholding Jesus. So I'm going to read this biblical example of corporate adoration and prayer. This is Psalm 8, and it was written to the chief musician by David when the tabernacle was set up, and they were doing that 24-7 worship thing that is awesome. Um, and so this psalm was, it was prayed in song and also probably allowed to and with the congregation. So this is, think about a congregation in a prayer room or in the tabernacle. And this is what David, this is what David wrote. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent, majestic, and glorious is your name in all the earth. 
You have set your glory on or above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength because of your foes that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. When I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained and established, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of earth-born man that you care for them? Yet you have made him but a little lower than God or heavenly beings, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yes, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, majestic, and glorious is your name in all the earth. All the earth. Then and now. That was a corporate declaration of adoration. So David, he looked away from the darkness that was on the earth. And he saw beholding the Lord. And with the congregation, then what he did was he proclaimed the divine order of the universe. I love that. And the notes in the Passion Translation point out that this psalm was actually meant to join the heaven with the earth and bring heavenly glory to the earth, making the heavens and earth into one. So where have we heard that little idea before? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, out of the mouth of Jesus. And prayer is one way that we advance God's kingdom. Now, I'm going to get a little personal here, you guys. So I've been really going hard after Jesus for about 35 years. And I've been in more passionate, fiery prayer meetings than I could ever count in those 35 years. I was brought up and taught in prayer from some amazing fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters who taught me to sit at his feet in adoration. And I've also learned how to engage in intense, fiery, spiritual warfare prayers, and sometimes for hours at a time, even days on end. How many of you guys have been in prayer gatherings or conferences where the prayer got intense? If you've been around here long enough, you, that would be a yes, right? <laughs> we've, we've engaged here in prayer with some really great prayer warriors like Corey Russell and, um, you know, Alan Hood, and oh, I could keep going on and on. But we've seen God move. We've had prophetic declarations that actually guided and instructed our prayers. We felt the room come alive with his presence. And when I'm in those kinds of prayer meetings, I don't know about you guys or conferences, but I become highly engaged in that, highly engaged. And I don't really know how to give anything less than everything. Like, there's no coming in and giving like 100%. It's going to be 150% or more. It's intense. And I get really engaged in that. And I think part of that's because of the call that he placed on my life for prayer. But I don't know how to give him anything less than that in those moments. 
but is it okay with if you if I just share with you some of the struggle and the wrestle that I've had in prayer in this couple of years, the last couple of years, and, and also what the Lord has taught me. So here's the wrestle. I love that fiery, intense corporate prayer. I love it. I love it. I am energized by that. But somewhere along the line, I think in my mind, I set those intense, fiery prayer times as the bar or the goal that I would need to attain, and that would be like the measuring stick of whether or not my prayer was effective. Just think about that for a minute, because I bet some of you have experienced that too. Because it's, it's amazing, like, it's an amazing thing when you get into that zone, and I'm all about it. But here's what happened. You know, we had a season, some of you were here in the prayer room where we were, I mean, we were going after it. It was intense <laughs> for a lot of months. And then all of a sudden, the Lord, I wasn't going to tell this story, but the Lord started saying, you know, if we took away your prayer topics, would you still have a prayer meeting? If we took away, if you, if you didn't have prayer leaders, would you still have a prayer meeting? Um, if you didn't have chairs, would you still have a prayer meeting? If we took away the music, would you still have a prayer meeting? And he literally stripped us down to nothing but a group of people sitting in a room, a lot of times on the floor, on their faces, in prayer, with no music, no topic, no nothing, but a box of Kleenex in the middle because we were just wrecked. And, and in the last two years, you know, COVID happened. We were doing Monday night prayers, and we were doing them here in, in the, at the church. And then our Monday night prayer gatherings became prayer calls because it was what the Lord was breathing on is what we had to do. But it was an adjustment. We weren't together in the same room anymore. And I personally in the last few years, have not gone to nearly as many corporate prayer gatherings where I'm entering into that type of intense prayer. I've got been to a lot of conferences. I, I have, for my whole 35 years of doing this, I've gone to places on prayer assignments. I've met people in specific locations with specific agendas that we were praying towards. I've been to the nation's capital. I've been invited into the Pentagon, I mean, I mean, like lots of different things and different groups of people praying over the state, praying over the nation. But that started to, it just, it, it's like it just kind of stopped happening. I wasn't doing as much of that, really, because we were doing a lot of it here. But then that shifted too. And I started feeling like I was slipping. I started feeling like even in my personal time of prayer on my porch in my secret place, I just wasn't getting as amped up, right? I wasn't getting as fired up, and I wasn't getting as passionate about praying for the issues of the day or praying for my loved ones or praying for um, battle, like battle prayers for my friends and my family. And here's the thing. What I really wanted to do was just hug God. Just like Marie said. I just wanted to go out there, and I just wanted to be close to him. I wanted to sit at his feet, and I felt so strongly drawn to that. But I felt, I felt guilty. I, I was struggling because in my mind, I felt, I felt like I was letting God down. Somehow, the, 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 
years that we're living in right now, you know, we've been called for such a time as this, and this is intense right now where we are in this history timeline. And we need to be engaged in prayer. We need to be before him. There's a lot riding on this. But I just like, I couldn't seem to get into that zone. And I felt guilty. I felt like I was letting God down and I didn't want to let him down. I don't ever want to stand before him and hear that he called me to something that I didn't do. It's a precious assignment to live a life of prayer and stand in the gap for other people. So I cried and I repented and I begged Holy Spirit to give me back that passion that I felt like I was missing. And I started asking for wisdom and I started praying this scripture over and over and over. I prayed this scripture. It's James 1.5. If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. I hope that ministers to somebody tonight. And in, you know, even in the prayer room on Wednesday mornings and the sets that I lead, I was compelled over and over to just proclaim who he is, to go to the throne room, to sing love songs to him. Months and months and months. And some of them were written songs and some of them were spontaneous songs, but that's what I felt like was coming out of me. And he was leading me all that time. I know that now. He was meeting me in secret spaces. And he was, there were places, public places, you know, he was teaching me all about adoration prayer. And some of you might think this is really super weird, but here it is. I'm giving you my stuff, right? So from February through June, I literally slept in my secret place because he was there and I did not want to leave his presence. So outside on my screen porch, I put an air mattress and I put a sheet over it. And I just slept out there. It was beautiful. It was, I mean, the weather was nice. It was beautiful. But I just didn't want to leave him. And every night, he would wake me in the night at all hours. And he would meet with me in that stillness. And I felt so honored to just, like, open my eyes in the night and just be able to minister to him. It was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful. There were no distractions. I didn't get hyped up. I didn't get up and pace and walk and pray. I, I just whispered my deepest thoughts to him. I prayed what scriptures came to my mind. I cried. I prayed for others, and I prayed for myself. so beautiful. I whispered in the darkness to him. I just whispered, and those were some of the most powerful prayers that I have ever prayed, and, and he was ministering that to me. One night, he woke me up, and I rolled over, and the moon was out, and I looked at the moon, and I just thought, oh my gosh, it's just beautiful, and my heart began to yearn for how I could minister to God that night in that moment. And you know what he said? He said, Lisa, I want to minister to you. Will you just let me minister to you tonight? 
And it was just, it just wrecked me. And I just, I lay there and I just felt his wisdom and his, his strength and his love and his intimacy. It was, it was just, it was amazing. I just had to be still. See, he was teaching me that it isn't the shouting of my prayers that makes prayer effective. It was being still. There is a time and a place when the zeal of the Lord comes on us, and we do raise our voices in passionate prayer. And it's the Spirit leading us when, when, when that happens. And it's right, and it's good. But I'm here to tell you tonight that we have to discern the times and seasons for that. It, it doesn't have to be the bar that we set that says this is the measuring stick for whether or not your prayer is effective. That is the message I want to get to you tonight because he's in, he's in all of it. And I think that the, sometimes in the, in the passionate, fiery, burning hot prayer that we go after when we're just walking and pacing and spitting and all of those things, you know, um, that sometimes emotions can take over. And then what is happening is we're actually doing something in our own strength that was never meant to be in our own strength. It's meant to be done by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's not doing it, it's, not, it's really not that great anyway. No matter how loud it is or no matter how, I mean, really, you start, you know, you can pray and not be in the Spirit. Let me just say that. Um, and it, it has to be the Holy Spirit doing the work, not us. And if you guys ever been in a conference, especially in a conference setting, I'm not, listen, I'm not throwing conferences under the bus. Don't hear me say that because I think conferences are amazing. And when we gather corporately with a group of people that are so hungry for God and it's in like that environment is really healthy and good in a lot of ways. But have you guys ever been in there where you were just going after it and you were praying like crazy and then it would be like sessions at a time or even days at a time. And then at the end, it took you like two or three days to actually get back to normal. Like, cause you were wiped out tired. That, that used to happen to me. And, and I, I don't know that that was healthy. Um, that's, that's the vulnerable thing I'm kind of sharing with you. And I think in the charismatic church culture, we can get so caught up in the intensity, now listen carefully, that we actually start yelling our prayers at God. And I have done this. I have done it passionately. But you know, and hear me too, I'm not talking about the shouts of praise that erupt out of us when we are just like, it's so big, it has to come out big. That's good. I'm talking about yelling our prayers. And I'm not judging anyone's heart, but honestly, honestly, what about the reverential, worshipful adoration of holy, almighty, powerful God. There's this, you know, as he started working this in me, and I'm like, there was a point at which I was like, holy moly, I'm yelling. We're yelling at him. We're yelling at him. And I, um, there was a, a, one of Blue Angle's gatherings called The Send that happened this year, actually 
Justin was there. And I had it on my TV um, on YouTube, and I was just doing housework that day and cooking, and I, was, and I had it on the whole day. And there were, there were moments in there that they started to pray about something specific, and they were just, I mean, gosh, like these guys were screaming. Where normally I would be like, yeah! There were moments in it where I mean, this like the Holy Spirit was allowing me to discern between the emotion of it and the times when it was really sincere. And there was a, there was a difference. I could feel the difference of it. And it really started bothering me. I'm like, don't yell at him. He's God. He's God. He's holy. Do we shout at holy? Do we shout at the holy God? It threw me down to my knees. And there was a moment in that, <laughs> in that day when um, Francis Chan, well, they, they, were, they were just going at it. They were going. And it was, I think it was, uh, I think, no offense to anybody here, please don't take this as like, you know. But it was like, I think it was when a whole lot of Hispanic people were up there. And I mean, now they can pray, y'all. They can get it. They can get it. And they were going after it. And it was big and it was loud. And the, you know, the worship team was playing and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they were, had different people coming up and praying on the mic at different times. It was super intense. And then Francis Chan got up there. Francis walks up there and he starts talking. And he turns around, he looks at the worship team and he goes, can you guys just bring it down? And he's like, I am not going to shout. And then he gets up there, and he just starts talking in his normal voice. And everybody had to bring it down so they could hear him, because you don't want to miss what Francis says, right? And so he starts talking. And I mean, it was like the authority that was on the man just boosh. And you could t you know, it, it was just this noticeable difference. And I was going, you don't shout. You're, you don't have to yell your prayers. So anyway... My point here is this. In this journey of mine through this process, he has taught me that quiet reverence and adoration is equally as effective as intense intercession. And I want to impart that to you. I want you to hear that loud and clear because sometimes you're just tired and sometimes you're just draggy or whatever, whatever it is, that doesn't mean that you're not reaching him. It doesn't mean that the intensity and the effective, fervent, effectual prayer is not happening out of your belly in that moment. Both of these things are precious to him. We're supposed to fully engage in both kinds of prayer, fiery intercession and simple, quiet devotion in the whispered prayers to him. Both are precious to him. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.